community. My name is Janika Louve. I am resident pastor on staff and I have been with Emmaus. I've been at Emmaus for 10 months, which is crazy because um, I've enjoyed all the time I've spent with you guys, but it feels like I just got here. Um, I will let the, our panelists introduce themselves as well and then we will get started. Panelists sound so yeah. official. Yeah. Um, I'm Zach Armfield, if I haven't met you. Uh, me and my wife Paula have been here since, I don't know how many months, but it's been <laughs> since January of 22. We lead a house church here and have really enjoyed all of our time. Hey guys, I'm Lydia Davis. I have been here since, hey y'all, hey, uh, since <laughs> February of 2022, and I also lead a house church. Um, in like the Lincoln Park area or so. I'm Cameron. I, I forget when I started coming here. I think it was January 22, but I thought I'd been here when you don't get here. Anyway, um, I make a 30 minute trip here every Sunday because I'm from Graham. Yeah. Uh, I sort of lead a house church. Is that what yeah. I do? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of lead a house church and yeah, I love Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I upped you too. I, too. Yeah. I love Jesus too. <laughs> I love Jesus too. And I too love Jesus. So, <laughs> um, setting high standards here. <laughs> um, so, I'm excited for our conversation this morning um, centered around Pentecost. Um, and to kind of direct us in this time, I'll be reading Acts 2, verses 1 through 12. It'll be on the screen, but you can also join along, um, read along with your Bibles. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one space. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, um, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of those, all, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us, us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, 
Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And so this morning we will be um, talking about what Pentecost Sunday is all about. It's about this unexpected yet expected moment in first century Jerusalem where God's loving church began 50 days after resurrection and Passover. And it's where we celebrate the coming of the spirit. Um, in this Acts 2 moment, we became the dwelling place of God, not a mountain or a temple, but we, the body, um, became the church and the Lord gifted us with the Holy Spirit. And what is so beautiful is that Christ did not just bless um, the apostles with the Holy Spirit, but everyone present. And so um, I think it's a beautiful um, moment where all these people from that spoke different languages, from different cultures, uh, were able to be unified um, and able to participate in this communion with each other. Um, and so with that, we will be having a conversation focused on transformation, why the church is important, and the role of house churches in our formation. All things that became reality and possible because of this moment in Acts 2, 2,000 years ago. Um, so my first question goes to Zach. Um, so yeah, we're here because of this moment in Acts 2. How does being anchored to a 2,000-year-old community impact your faith? Um, yeah, when, when you brought up this question as, a, as something to think about, I think the two words that came to mind were humility and comfort. Um, so when I was thinking about that scene and just how many years, how much history is in between me and that scene, uh, it's a lot of um, humility uh, in that, that I very much don't know everything, which is great um, because that would be a sad world. Um, and in that, I, there's a lot of confidence that we can have. There's a lot of things in the word that are pretty clear. But there's a lot of uh, conversation and discussion and debate, even uh, heated things that happen within the church body. And when I'm tempted to think I know 100%, maybe an issue that's a little gray, um, th this sort of historical impact brings me back to maybe my brother and sister have something to say. Uh, maybe there's some clarity that I still need to grow into in the Holy Spirit. Uh, so it just gives me a lot of humility that I'm a part of a really big movement um, of the Holy Spirit and of God. Uh, and then comfort, because in that, I'm not alone. Uh, none of us are alone. We are not the first ones to have the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're not the first ones to have encountered God. We're a part of a massive network of people all across the globe that spans beyond just a business, uh, beyond just a good, feel-good club, uh, but literally is a body that is intimately connected with power and love and self-control. That's the Holy Spirit we have. So that is what came to mind when you asked me that question. Thank you. Um, and so with that, um, you talked about um, 
the spirit and how we can sit in that comfort. And so my next question is for Lydia. Um, what does a spirit-driven community look like um, for you as well as in ways which you've seen? Uh, I think today is a perfect example of so many times churches have this set plan of like, okay, this lasts five minutes, this lasts six minutes, this lasts this, and to continue on with that. And even today, Vania coming up saying, hey, I, this is what I'm feeling. And I don't know if any of y'all have ever had that little like nudging that you feel that like in your pit of your stomach, like ah, I need to talk to that person or I should say this to this person or maybe I need to say hello to this individual that's the Holy Spirit. Those nudgings is the Holy Spirit. And when you do something about it, that is the Holy Spirit empowering you. And I think that's what Emmaus is doing. It is a spirit-driven community of, Vania could have had this nudging of like, I feel like we should pray. Anderson could have had the nudging of like, man, I really think we should do the song. And if they did nothing, that's not driven. It might've been spirit-led, but being driven means doing something. And so I've seen that a lot in Emmaus of, plans we have and then like pivoting that like service does not end at exactly 1130. If you are desiring to be in church for 45 minutes, that's not it. <laughs> we will go long. And so with that, like that's a community that's desiring for the spirit to be led. And so I've seen it a lot with that, but I've seen it a lot with like the space we create we create margin for the Holy Spirit to move. We create this opportunity for prayer and worship. I know in house church, there's been a lot of times that I've had a mindset of like, okay, we're going to talk about this at house church. This is the way we're going to go. And someone brings up a question and we just are like, or actually internally, I'm like, scrap that, get rid of my plan because my plan is not good. It is the Holy Spirit and his plan and their plan and just what they're asking of me to do. And so, yeah, just kind of the being willing to go through the nudges of like, hey, do this and being willing to pray for somebody out of the blue and do those things. And I think sometimes people joke, they're like, oh, that's a little like hippy dippy. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is telling you to do something. Yeah, I also thought that that was a great example. Um, in our worship time and well, all of its worship, but um, the way in which we are able to pause and allow the spirit to do what he does and realize we are not in control. Um, so I guess this is a question for everyone. Where have you seen the spirit working in Emmaus? What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so Lydia and I was actually, were actually talking about this question um, at my house yesterday. Was it yesterday? No, two days ago. We had a grill out. Um, so I'm going to steal some of your answers probably. Okay, no, you'll, you'll have other stuff. So for me, the first thing I think about is after service, honestly, is a, a, great, um, a great moment in my mind, of an example for that. So an example could be um, a few months ago, we had a sermon on the dark night of the soul. Now, just to say, everybody left that service like, I'm in the dark night of the soul. Sorry, you're probably not. Um, if, if, 
just just to be honest, if you were like, this explains a period of time that I'm like, I've been questioning and I didn't understand and now I do, then maybe you are. But the point, my point isn't to point out who's in the dark night of the soul. My point is after the service, there were a number of people that stayed behind and just wept. Like they were just broken. And you could tell those were probably the people who were in the dark night of the soul. Um, but the bigger point is to say that what we were witnessing as if you stayed around, stayed behind and saw the people who just stayed behind and wept is a tenderness to the Holy Spirit and the reality that the Spirit is at work after the service to not just have preaching like Spencer's great, but the best preacher in the world isn't going to actually do a transformative work in the heart of somebody, right? You actually have to have the Holy Spirit at work in your congregation to have any kind of change or transformation. And the fact that after services, we have people that stay behind and like are like, I am sensing the Spirit doing something in me and I have to respond. I have to change. That means the Holy Spirit is at work in our midst. Um, so that's, that's my go-to. So. I think adding on to that, like you said, we were talking about this. Of, again, it's the preaching, but it's then the action afterwards. You can hear a great sermon, but if you hear it and then do nothing, that's not okay. And so I know that series, but then also the one another series when they're talking about speaking the truth and love and contempt and those things. I heard of multiple conversations between people going to people saying, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is what is going on with this and doing something about it, being willing and wanting to change from what was being said. And just, I know, um, just the sermons and the connections and the way they have fallen. Um, with my house church, we did a book for a little bit of the ruthless elimination of hurry. And part of it was at the same time we were talking about abiding. And so it went, is this dead? Okay, sorry. It went like hand in hand um, without even knowing. And so the sermons have just led people to want to grow. And that's just the Holy Spirit in you empowering and change and doing something about it. Do I have time for me to answer too? Okay, good. Um, so I, I would just tack on uh, how I've seen the Spirit leading is in small interactions, obviously all the big things uh, and a lot of other humongous things, but I would say in love and specifically love in conflict or confrontation. So I've had, even just being here a year and a half or so, I've had numerous moments, either secondhand or firsthand, uh, where someone has confronted someone about something maybe that's going on in their own heart, or just, we have an issue, but I really want to talk about it as a brother and sister in Christ. And that does not usually happen. Uh, that level of, of stepping into an uncomfortable situation in Christ is not usually the way that people like to do conflict, just because of our own selfish natures. So, seeing the Spirit humble someone enough to say, you have a problem with so-and-so, but you also have a problem, and we need to work through that inside you as well. Uh, and then doing the work of going to their brother and sister in a loving way is, speaks, speaks loudly to me. If I can add just something that you reminded me, um, there's been times, and, and not, of, not only a few that I've been a part of, but there's been times where like way after the service and not even connected to the preaching, there's just been like a huddle of people down front confessing their sins to each other and praying over each other and like 
getting freedom. I, I remember one week I was carrying something in here that was just so heavy. And there were guys down front, and I was like, I don't want to join. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna have to confess some sin. I'm going to have to get something off my chest. But I, the Spirit was like, no, you need to go down there. So I, I went down, hung out, didn't open my mouth. And finally, the Spirit was like, you, you cannot leave this moment without opening up to your brothers. And I did, and I left free, like left lighter. And that kind of thing makes you know, okay, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's here. He's doing stuff. So. Yeah, and I think that's just the one thing about this community that is so beautiful, um, but also hard, is that you, I believe Spencer had said this in one of his sermons, like you're not going to really last here if you aren't willing um, to be challenged and to um, be held accountable. But I think a part of that, too, is the spirit working in us and not ignoring it. Um, and so we talked about uh, house churches a bit, um, but also I feel like in my own house church and really all the house churches, in any moment, if I'm dealing with something, I know that I can send out a text and say, hey, um, I'm really dealing with this and I do not have the strength um, to get through this. Please pray for me. And in the moment, I'm already like getting messages, praying and, you know, Jimmy sending his um, emoji, praying emoji sign. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> um, but even that is the spirit moving. Um, in it. So um, this is a Cameron question. Why does being a part of a smaller community, our house churches throughout the week, matter so much? Yeah, there's so many directions we could go in this, but I actually thought it might be helpful to um, ask this question of the audience. What, how big do you, well, actually, so the Apostle Paul wrote letters to different churches in the first century. Did you know that? So like Galatians in your Bible, it's actually a letter to a, a church, believe it or not. Most of you probably knew that. How big do you think the church of Galatians or, or the church in Ephesus, Ephesians, or the church in Rome, how big do you think that church was? Ballpark it. 100? Okay. Somebody else? 5,000? Okay. Somebody else? What? 25. So Kenji is right around the ballpark of how big the churches were in the first century. Um, they were between 15 and some of the largest were like 45. That would have been the larger, house, larger churches. In other words, the beginning of the Jesus movement was facilitated in the context of things very similar to what we call house church. Um, now, over the years, the methods and models of church have changed to where we're at the place that we are today, where we have kind of a larger gathering, um, if, if you think about it historically. And it, it really almost turns into like a missional outreach kind of event when we have Sunday mornings. Now, a, a, a space like this is more um, for discipleship. It's, it's, it's less outreach-oriented. This is for the believer. But even still, there's, there's only, you can only go so deep when you have, um, your faith is only facilitated by a Sunday morning service. Now, when you're at like a 5,000 member church, which is what I, I was for most of, for 
most of the past decade. I was at a 5,000, I think was how many people were at the church. You just can't, you throw a stake out to that group of people, like a, a spiritual stake, you're going to have people strangling on how deep the pastor is going. When you have a, a larger group, you, you really, you have to keep the, the teaching to a certain depth or else people are just going to be confused, you know, because we're all coming at, at this uh, faith journey at different levels. So you have to kind of like, I hate to say it this way, but um, cater to the lowest, lowest denominator, which is good because we're all growing. What you need then is you have to have something to supplement that growth. You have to have discipleship at a different level than just the Sunday morning service. And that's what House Church does. Um, really, all discipleship, I think, it, it, the, the best forms are one-on-one -on -one or maybe a group of three. But what House Church does for us is it gives us a smaller context to go deeper. Um, a couple other thoughts, though, that I wrote down. Um, it's a place to honestly be known in a deeper way. So you can come in here on a Sunday and like have a bunch of junk, kind of like I did that, that week that I mentioned, a bunch of stuff you're dealing with, a bunch of issues, and get out the door at the end of service and nobody has to know about it. You can stay in your sin, you can stay in your depression, you can stay in your issues. And some of you are like, yeah, that's, that's why I'm here. You can check off the religious box and leave. It's much more difficult to do that in a small community where you're at least a little bit more seen and known. I think we all need to get better at that. Now, if you don't want to have transformation and you don't want to like get the junk out of your heart, then don't do house church. But if you want to become more like Jesus and you want to grow and you want to be mature and you want to be challenged, then house church is the place to do it. If you want to learn more about the scriptures, if you want to have a family that's tight-knit, that breaks bread together, that loves each other, that can send a text message when they're struggling, then do house church. Um, another point, you know, Sunday mornings are great because they're like moments of realignment for a week. Um, what I love about this community is, for, for me, I, I kind of, I hate to say this, but stopped enjoying Sunday mornings, going to church, just to be honest. Um, when I came here, I, I once again am like excited to be part of church. I'm excited to come on Sundays. And this is like, this is the central kind of peg that the rest of my week centers around again. It, it's been a while since I've had that. Um, but that's just kind of one moment of realignment that my week gets defined around. Um, what House Church does is it gives me, uh, maybe others can say this, but it gives me another moment of like, okay, once again, I'm realigning my week around Jesus. My self-definition could go to a hundred different places, but the more opportunity I have to like encounter Jesus in the body of Christ, then my self-definition again is, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not the hundred other things that, that my life could, could go towards. Um, to bring a scripture into this, and I'm done, I'm sorry. Um, in Hebrews 12, somebody fact check me. Um, I think it's Hebrews 12. It's somewhere. It's in Hebrews. Um, the author says, do not forsake the assembly to get assembling of yourselves together. Uh, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves, as is the habit of some, 
and especially all the more as you see the day approaching. And the day being spoken of is the return of Christ. In other words, as we draw closer, which we always are, to the return of Christ, don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves. I think he says, as the foolish people do. Well, well, why? It's because if you don't gather together in a way to sharpen each other, to grow, your faith is going to go bankrupt. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it to the return of Christ. You have to have the body of believers to keep you sharpened and to keep you going, period. So it's a matter of our faith. How have you seen, um, what are some testimonies of the fruit from House Church um, in some of your settings? So I was thinking about this one, and one testimony just from my life is uh, when I was not leading one, I was just participating, we were fresh into the Emmaus community really early on, um, and it's going through a hard time because... We had had our second child, which if you've had children, one is uh, a joy and two is a struggle. And uh, that's why we named her Lillian Joy. So we'd be, you know, refocused back on that, that joy aspect. Uh, no, we, we were doing great. It was, it was tough transitioning to two. And then on top of that, we suddenly had to move. Not very far, same property. But that was like the most daunting task in the world. It was just like, are you kidding me? We have to move in like three days. This is horrifying. So I texted House Church. I was like, hey, we're not going to be there this week because we're going to move just, you know, like 40 feet that way. But we got to do it now. And they dropped everything and just said, hey, we're scrapping, you know, the week and we're going to go move uh, the armfields. And they took Paola and the kids um, and the guys came with a trailer and helped us move in like one night, uh, all the stuff that would have broken my back. And it, it just spoke volumes because it was April uh, of the same year that we were there. So it's been months, months that we were in this community. Um, and so the, that depth was uh, a big deal to me because um, I was just letting them know I wasn't going to be there. I wasn't asking for help. Maybe I should have. Uh, and they, they showed up. Um, so that, that really... Um, really spoke to me as a newcomer to the Emmaus community. Um, I feel like just the testimony of the fruit, there has just been a lot of, in our group, just heart change and testimonies. And we've been sharing our stories and testimonies in our group and just the evidence of where we were at the beginning in August to now where we are in May those couple months to even see how the group has transformed from the beginning to now. And yeah, there's just so even just stories and even connections and people are sharing things. And it's like, I had no idea. And then to be able to like see people and see them having conversations in smaller settings, there's just been those things. And I mean, we had a couple of baptisms going on. We've had life change in those ways. And so, um, yeah, there's just, there's so many stories. If you talk to people in house churches, you'll hear those stories of moving. I know for me, same concept. I was 
in a house church. I wasn't leading one and I had to move and the people who helped me move were in my house church. Um, but also I joked with someone uh, like, if you got a flat tire, who are you going to call? And it's like, you should call the people in your house church. And so it's like, who are the first people on speed dial? Like you're in a situation, it's the house church people. Um, and so being in a bind in those ways, and if they can't help, maybe be like, hey, I'll give you money for this, or hey, let me help you with this. And so um, I think those are just testimonies and stories that have happened across all house churches. Kind of, um, I want to open the floor up, actually, to um, to hear from some people who how house church has impacted you because um yeah i think that's where i'm feeling led so if you have a story oh vania you know yeah yeah go ahead you could you gotta stand though you gotta sorry she's no <laughs> she's not planned whatever um I, I don't know, when did I start going here? 2020, maybe, 2021. It was a rough time in the world. Anyway, February of 2021, I was at the Lomans House Church. I think I'd been there four months, six months, maybe. I went in the summer, and it was about February. And my grandmother died. And my mom's whole side of the family is from Jamaica. So I had seen it before. Someone passes, they're like, oh, you gotta go to the funeral. They're like, we're gonna bless you with a gas car to get to the funeral. And I'm like, you don't drive to Jamaica um, <laughs> there. But it wasn't something I was sharing. They were just like, so I was like, yeah, my grandmother died, kind of bummed. I'll see you guys next week. I'm just going to take the day. I wasn't there. And these, these fools raised my airplane ticket without me knowing. I haven't seen, I hadn't seen her in like, I don't know. It had been because of COVID, I hadn't seen her. I was supposed to go back. It was 2019, 2018 was the last time I was there. I was supposed to go back in 2020. I was supposed to go see her. And so I didn't have a last time to see her before she passed. And so I was in house church and I just was like, yeah, you know, whatever. Can't drive there. And they, they raised it without me knowing. And I got there the next week and I had just checked prices and I was looking at my savings. I was like, okay, you're there, but barely. So I was like, it's a round trip ticket to another country. And it, no, it just blew me away because I hadn't like, I had been like four months. I hadn't like invested, you know, I, hadn't, I was like, I'll bring pie or whatever to like the meals. Um, but it was nothing because like I had deserved it or anything like that. It was just like, it just blew me away. I told my mom, I was like, you know, like crying. I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, mom, these people love me. Anyway, but <laughs> she was like, they did what? And I was like, exactly. And she was like, I've never heard of that. I was like, I've never heard of that either. Praise God. <laughs> um, but yeah, they yeah, and I don't know. I remember them telling me they just like handed me this check, and I was like, "This is wild. I don't even know like half of y'all like that." And it was just it was a big blessing, and I I won't like I won't forget that. I usually forget it, and then once in a while I'm like, "Wow, like God's people, like God showed His kindness to me through His people," and that was just really um, impactful. I'm not gonna say that like everybody's gonna get there like <laughs> get a point again. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's just something that happened to me. Anyone else? Uh, Lydia? Of course. Yeah. Thank you, Lydia. 
wow, this feels a lot more intimidating than I thought. Hey, um, if I have not met you, I'm Isabel or Izzy, either's fine. But um, yeah, my now husband and I <laughs> um, have been at Emmaus since 2018, um, previously United City meeting at the YMCA. Um, and I think, think of two just really big memories I have. One was during the pandemic when our church, A, could not, literally could not meet because the Y was closed. And a group of us just got together and started praying of like, Lord, what do you want? Um, and that's when House Church was birthed. And I remember like sitting in Spencer and Jordan's condo on the carpet <laughs> um, and Spencer just sharing that he loves to preach, but that he was willing to give it all up um, because he felt the Lord saying that house church is what we were supposed to do. Um, and like, that was what we thought, like we thought the gathering would potentially never happen again. Like just without COVID that we would just be house churches. And I think because of him and Jordan, like being led to the spirit is why like these stories are happening because they said, Lord, like my biggest passion, I'm laying at your feet and I'm giving up our, basically our, like our church back to you. Um, which is just, I mean, that's the fruit of what we're all experiencing in our house churches. Uh, the second thing I think about is, um, there was a time when, uh, Robbie and I were leading with Grace, Corey and Chris and, um, meeting at, uh, union coffee on Tuesday nights. And, um, Krista was there at this specific, uh, moment, but, um, I remember we started integrating a time of worship into our house church, and it was basically all college kids, so nobody brought food. Um, we tried. <laughs> Bread was not broken. However, um, <laughs> we just started singing, and uh, it just erupted into like an hour and a half of just singing to God, um, and it was wild. Like, I just, it wasn't any, like, I've been a part of very, you know, hippy-dippy moments, um, and some questionable moments maybe even with the Holy Spirit, but it was just, it was, it was real, and it was just, like, I think everyone in the room was just like, we don't want to leave. Like, we feel like no one wants to stop praising God, um, and I just, that was a moment that has marked my spiritual journey of just, like, the Lord being in that space, um, yeah, because of what house church has been created, so. I'm over here fighting with the Lord because I don't want to share. Um, but when you guys started talking, I felt that stomach inkling that said, they're going to ask people to share and you need to. And I was like, no. <laughs> but here I am. Um, I've been blessed a thousandfold. I'm in the Lowman's house, um, house church, which really is Cameron and now Morgan's as well. Um, they are the fantastic leaders and we're over at Morgan's. Um, but when I first joined in, March 2022, um, I came with Shay, and um, we came right in time for a series of very interesting discussions over the summer. Um, Spencer took upon himself to pick the most challenging topics he could think of, and that's what we talked about all summer. Um, and it was a lot coming into, but we really, um, Kenji and I just really felt like it was a really great place to be and kind of challenge ourselves. And my grandfather died right before Father's Day, and 
Jordan immediately took us out of the group me and kind of messaged everyone and was like, they're driving back and forth to Shelby like multiple times a week. It's like three hours away. Like what can we put together? Then she added us back in without realizing we could see all the messages that were there. Um, and I immediately broke down and was just crying. And I mean, this was in, this was within the shortest amount of time of coming. And so at that time, we just kind of were like, oh my gosh, like we both grew up in churches, similar to Cameron's experience with just so many people. Um, and they saw us and knew and we hardly had to say a word. Um, but the bigger one that's coming to mind is in October, um, I was going through just life-changing anxiety. I couldn't function. I couldn't do anything. And I thought maybe just like something medical was wrong. So I was going through every test, every doctor's appointment. I, I was there three times a week begging them, the emergency room even, just saying like, I, I'm not right. Something is going on. And every week at house church, I just prayed over me. I'm sorry. Just got on their hands and knees. I think some weeks we spent more time praying over me than we did talking about anything. And there's a ton of people at the Lomans House Church, as you guys probably know. Anybody new comes in there and they're walking into this space. And I'm like, sorry, like, I don't know what's going on. Um, and so a lot of new people who I had never met just kind of were coming through and taking the time to lay their hands on me and probably were a little freaked out. Um, but just, you know, after a little bit of time, doctors were like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, nothing is elevated. Nothing is going on. And Jordan and Spencer just sat me down and they said, we were seeing a lot of transformation in you. I think this is a spiritual attack. And within probably a day of talking to them, it all went away. <laughs> Everything. And since then, it's been, you know, coming and going briefly, but the tools that I got from house church and the prayer within seconds of ever reaching out to anybody in the house church, it goes away immediately, like on the spot. Um, and so that's just been the testimony in my life. And I, I can't thank my house church enough. I see so many of them in this room. Just it's been just a big blessing and I can't imagine ever being in this church without a house church because you could walk in the doors at any time and everybody knows each other and that can be super intimidating but it's also like the biggest blessing ever because once you get to know those people you're never alone again. Hi, everybody. I'm Nia. I've been here for a while. I can't honestly remember. Um, I'll try to keep this quick, but uh, Devin and I got married in 2020, and it was a rough time, not because we got married, but there was a lot, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff going on in terms of obviously 2020 and me changing or us changing churches and a lot of uh, hurt going on. At the same time, um, I started getting really sick and really couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, a lot of emergency room visits, a lot of just not being able to get out of bed, not just being really scared. Um, we started coming to United City, Emmaus now, 
Um, and honestly, I really wasn't feeling it. Devin was more like, yeah, like we should go here. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. I'm still dealing with church hurt. And honestly, I don't want to see anybody. But um, <laughs> out of just, you know, sticking by my husband, honestly, um, we just kept coming around. And Jordan and Spencer were like, yeah, there's a house church. You can come join ours or there's another one. But I mean, if you're more comfortable coming with ours, like you can come. And we're like, well, your night doesn't actually work. So we're going to go to Jay and Aaron's. So we go. And was this the first time we went or the second time? It was the second time. The second time we went. And at this time, like the height of whatever illness I had that I didn't know of at the time, um, it was just, it was bad. It's really, really bad. And this was our second time coming. I still really wasn't feeling it, but I was like, you know, the people are cool. You know, they're really nice. And I remember opening up about like, hey, like I'm, I'm really sick. Like I'm in pain every day, aching all the time. I feel like I can never have a straight thought. I am scared because I feel honestly like I'm going to die. And I was just, you know, giving a little prayer request. And I was like, okay, we're going to go around the room. Everybody else going to share their stuff. You know, it's going to be good. And I remember Erin stopping and it was like tears in her eyes. And I'm like, oh, okay, girl, I mean, I thought I was going to die, but it's not that bad. And she's like, no, like, we are going to pray right now. And I was like, she doesn't even know me. Like, and she was like, we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to pray because I believe like the Lord can heal you. Like, I believe he can heal you. And I was like, whoa, like, I, I, I really don't even know any of you. I'm still trying to, like, remember your names and you're wanting to pray over me. And they, like, stopped everything. And everybody just, like, the women laid their hands on me. The men are just circled around me. And I remember just feeling like, and you know what? I'm, I'm just going to say, it. I remember telling Devin when I was closing my eyes and they were praying over me. I felt the room spinning. I felt the room spinning and I was like, ooh, what is going on? And I was like, maybe I'm just, but now looking back at it, the spirit was doing something. And truly in that moment, I felt like, you know, they're going to pray and maybe I'll feel better. I truly, in my own faith, did not really believe that I would ever be healed. Um, and... Then a year later, I find out I'm pregnant. And like a little bit before then, I found out I had Lyme disease. So it's like, okay, cool. Took antibiotics for it. Nothing was changing. I was still feeling pretty bad. Got pregnant and I was like, okay, great. So now I'm sick and I'm pregnant and I'm supposed to take care of a baby, but I can barely get out of the bed. And they kept praying for me and kept telling me that I would, I would get healed. And through the pregnancy, I felt no pain. I said, maybe it's you know, the hormones got me feeling all good. And then once my daughter gets here, then everything's going to go back to being crap. And I have felt the best I felt in my life. And that's because of people's prayers and their beliefs. Like in my own belief, I it wasn't there, but it's something about a community of people that are being led by the spirit that will bind around you even when you don't believe, 
but just simply voicing like, hey, I'm sick. People seeing that, and that, I mean, we serve an amazing God. We serve a God that can move in the hearts of all of these believers and bring us together to see healing and to hear stories of people being set free. That is, that's his heart, his heart for us. It's amazing. And I'm, I'm grateful for this church and I'm grateful for God just being here and being present and us being receptive to that. So I say all of that to say God is good and he is a healer. He is a deliverer and he, he, he's a lover. He's a deep lover. Sorry, that was long, y'all. Thank you so much, everyone who shared. And I, there's more stories out there of people who um, experience the love of God through people in their house church in ways they could have never expected it. So if you're one of those people, share that story um, because it is through the Holy Spirit, Jesus giving us the Holy Spirit, and us then being able to spread his love to others, to then be able to receive the Holy Spirit for themselves. I'll tell you, I have never, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't until I came to a mace that I have, like, I've received this fire to spread the good news um, because I want others to experience the love and the community that I have been able to surround myself here with. And, um, and so many of you have experienced this as well. And so don't just leave it there. Speak to others, bring them here, but also um, in your own communities, don't be afraid to share how good God is um, and how good he, even if he, you haven't seen him work in certain ways in your lives, but just believing and being expectant of his goodness um, is enough sometimes. And um, yeah, so I thank you guys so much for sharing your stories. Um, I want to end our time by reading Acts, the end of Acts verse 42 through 47. It said they've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. Um, and I was, I was reading over this and praying for... God's direction during this time, I just couldn't help but thinking of this community and the ways in which um, 
I just thought of Emmaus reading this. Um, it's an undescribable the way in which um, we are able to really be the face of God. And even in our our mission is to practice the way of Jesus for the renewal of all things. And we do that. Um, and we are the church. And I hope through this conversation and through hearing um, these testimonies that you are able to go um, and truly believing that and truly believe that the spirit is moving in all of you. And we are the church. Um, it's not just on Sundays, but every single day of the week as you encounter strangers, as you encounter friends and family members, you can be the face of God for them. You are. Um, so as we end, I'm going to ask Pastor Anderson to lead us um, into communion. As you take communion as the... Um, the altar is open. Please come. Please ask God and how he's directing you to be the face of God to those who need it, how to be a neighbor, how to be a friend, how to be a brother and sister in Christ to those in your house churches. And if you aren't in a house church, I hope this has encouraged you to join one. Um, so. This morning, as we prepare uh, to come to the table, um, I want to reemphasize that the altar is open. Um, who do we have on prayer today? My prayer people. Who knows? Um, 